Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with marathon swim director and marathon swimmer herself, Liz Rosen. She hadn't thought much about swimming in the wild until Seattle summers when her master's team evacuated the pool to go swim in the open water that abounds. She immediately became hooked, and it wasn't long before she started winter swimming because the summer wasn't enough. We laugh in this episode about Liz's recurring theme of doing something because you don't feel like you have any other options. But we also discuss these very important topics, how to advocate for yourself and how to have a plan because you should always have a plan. I hope you enjoy this episode. Liz, are you ready? I'm ready. What's your story? (laughs) What's my story? Um, Like a lot of other people, I don't remember learning how to swim. It was just always something that we did. My brother and I were always in the pool. Um, You know, we belonged to a swim club. It wasn't a country club, but a pool club in the neighborhood. And I mean, that's where we were all day, every day, all summer long. Um, and did summer league and started doing AAU. I don't know if it's still called that, but you know, all year round swimming and where were you growing up? Uh, I grew up in Connecticut as a kid and moved to Seattle later. I'll get to that part of the story. This is in Connecticut, started swimming year round and I didn't love it. You know, I was the kid that always tried and found an excuse to like get out of the pool and go to the bathroom. And then I would you know, stand in the bathroom for a few minutes because I didn't want to get back in because the set was too hard. And, you know, I just, I didn't love it. My brother was a few years younger than me and he was a really good swimmer. And I just, I just didn't have that same, you know, go after it kind of feeling, but I kept going because I didn't realize that there was any option to say to my parents, like, I don't want to swim. My parents were both marathon runners. So they were really driven athletes and like, that was just sort of part of what we did. Like we swam, they ran, that was it. Um, and then after the ninth grade, we moved to Seattle and I didn't know very many people there. And we joined a pool club and I joined the diving team as well as the swim team, because I had been sort of dabbling and diving a little bit. I had done a little bit of gymnastics in school and I thought I would try it out and I discovered I really liked it. So I went to a diving camp and I switched over after my sophomore year in high school where I tried to both swim and dive and that didn't work. So I joined a club diving team. So instead of doing year round swimming, I started doing year round diving. So I dove my junior and senior year in high school and all four years of college. And then I was a ski bum for 10 years. (laughs) So I was not in a swimming pool at all for another 10 years. And it was only when I moved to Seattle after tiring of the ski bum lifestyle (laughs) that I was injured from running and went to a neighborhood pool to swim laps and learned about master's team. I had no idea that master's existed, but I thought why swim laps by myself? 
when I can come an hour earlier and swim with all these people who look like they're having fun because they were all getting out of the pool and hugging each other and they just seemed like they were having such a good time. And so I joined that master's team. That was, I think, 1999 or 2000. And I've been swimming master's ever since. And it was from that master's group that I started getting into open water because, you know, while I had swum in lakes at summer camp, you know, I didn't know about it as a sport, but in the summertime, everybody left the pool and went and swam in, in Lake Washington instead. So I, you know, being the lemming that I was, <laughs> followed along and realized that it was like the greatest feeling ever to get in the lake in the early morning and have the moon setting and the sun coming up and the different colors every day and the different conditions. And I felt like it was like my sunrise and my lake and just that, that feeling of getting into the water in the morning with a group of like-minded people and having that daily experience was like nothing else. And I totally converted into being an open water swimmer and swimming masters was really just to keep the fitness level up because open water was a lot of like, let's swim to that dock over there. And then we'd tread water and chat for 10 minutes. And then we'd swim to another dock and then we chat for another 10 minutes. And so I kept swimming masters to, to like stay fit and keep some speed up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I was sold. So that was in the, like, I don't know, mid two thousands. Um, and I have not gone back. I started winter swimming a few years ago because summer swimming in summer just wasn't enough. And after I met a bunch of the folks that came to Seattle to do the Mercer Island marathon swim, and I met Elaine Howley and Jamie Monahan and Sarah Thomas. And I realized like, wow, they swim in really cold water. We're doing this event in May and they are all perfectly trained and perfectly acclimated. And I thought I could do that too. (laughs) So that's when that summer I stayed in. I hadn't worn a wetsuit in a couple of years, but I just kept staying in after September when everybody else started getting out October, definitely everybody got out. I just kept going. Um, and that, you know, that stuck. It's a little bit harder to do now that I live in North Carolina because there just aren't that many people in the Raleigh area that want to swim all year round outside. I found a few, but it's, it's not the same as the swimming community in Seattle, which is just huge. Yeah. Um, so I'm missing that a little bit, but that's, that's my, that's my nutshell story. That's your nutshell story. Okay. Um, when did you move to Raleigh? About two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Okay. I still feel like I just got here. <laughs> like, I mean, besides the fact that the, the past year, I've been, the last I year, <laughs> haven't gone anywhere, but, um, I don't know. There's something weird about moving that I just, I still feel like I'm brand new here, even though it's been two and a half years. Yeah. I've lived in Southern Oregon for eight years now, coming up on eight in April. And I still feel kind of new, but it's like <laughs> something different every year. Like first I had a kid and then whatever. So, here. Uh, when did you start um, pushing distances in the water? Um, I... T- I can't remember exactly, probably late 2000s, um, you know, with the, the group of people that I was open water swimming with, there were a lot of races in the Northwest area, but they were all like 1K, 5K, you know, not, not much more than that. And I was doing a lot of those and they were fun, but I just, I wasn't really satisfied. And I signed up for a 10K 
in Michigan because I was using it as a way to go visit a friend that had a summer house on a lake somewhere in Northern Michigan. And she heard about this race and she said, Oh, you should sign up for this. So I did. And you know, I like hurry up and trained for a 10 K, you know, I started just asking friends if they would swim a little bit longer with me. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was three laps on a course and Lake Michigan was like the roughest ocean that I had ever been in. I mean, it was an incredibly windy day. You started in this bay and then you kind of turned the corner and went out of the bay and these waves were huge and choppy. And thank goodness the turn buoy was, was a boat that had a flashing light on the mast because otherwise there's no way you would have seen it. I remember just doing heads up breaststroke and laughing because I couldn't believe, like I couldn't see a single other person. I saw no buoys. And then all of a sudden I saw this strobe light in the distance. I was like, oh, thank God, that's it. That's the thing I have to turn around. Wow. Um, so, you know, you, you did this like horrible rough part and then you came back into the bay and it was, you know, faster. And then you had to go out and I was, it was just sort of a laughable um, experience, but really, really fun. And I was, I was kind of hooked. Um, so I just, I started wanting to do longer. I haven't done a ton of merits, like true marathon swim events, but I I do a lot of long swims with friends and I have an incredible husband who doesn't mind sitting in a kayak for hours at a time. So living in Seattle and having so much water around, it was really easy to get those long swims. And I mean, they were just sort of adventure point to point things where, you know, I would say I want to do an eight mile swim. And I had friends that joined me along the way for parts of it. And it was, you know, it was, it was a real playground in Seattle. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, so when did you get, so what was your, what swim are you most proud of? I thought about that question because I know you've <laughs> asked everybody and it's hard to come up with one because every time I do something new, I really feel proud of it. Like yeah. I'm really excited that I did it. And I have this sense of my body can do this thing and, and I'm okay. Like I get out and I'm like, Oh yeah, my arms are a little bit sore, but, but like I could have maybe gone farther or maybe I should have pushed myself a little harder, but I always have this real feeling of pride that I just did this thing. Um, but I mean, if I had to pick one, I would probably say the first time I did the little red lighthouse swim in New York city, because the, the thought of jumping into the Hudson river that was moving ridiculously fast and these huge tankers are going by and like that just sort of blew my mind. So like, I felt really proud that I just swam a 10 K in that <laughs> ridiculous river. And I mean, the view of New York city from the river is epic, like truly unique. And I totally get why Chris is hooked on swimming around Manhattan. Um, and that is something I want to do someday. That's like one of the few really long to me, really long swims that's on my bucket list. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably the one I'm the most proud of, but I don't know if it's conceited to say that I'm proud of all of them. (laughs) I think that's totally okay. And I love what you were saying about, um, about the, you know, the, the realization of like what your body can do and like, you know, your arms might be a little sore for a little bit, but then they're fine. And (laughs) you're like, Hey, maybe I could have done more. I think that that is 
that's like the true kind of marathon swimming bug to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, like I've never I crawled out at the end or not been able to stand up or, you know, like, I'm, and I'm always kind of surprised by that. Like, yeah, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I think that pretty much encapsulates how you, how you feel about completing a marathon swim. Do you have any other descriptors for how, how it feels to complete a marathon swim? Um, no, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, like, I know I train, but I just, again, it's just the feeling of like, my body is prepared for this. And maybe I come by it, honestly, that my parents were both marathon runners and that, that slow twitch muscle is, is just ingrained in me. And I didn't realize that that was something that was so much a part of who I am, but I mean, it definitely is because I I don't, I'm learning to push myself now, you know, I'm 52 years old and swimming in a master's group where almost everybody is faster than me. So like, I'm just now learning how to sprint and really get my heart rate up. And it's taken all of these years to figure out how to do that. Um, so I don't know, that didn't really answer your question, but that's good. good. (laughs) Is there anything you've got on the horizon? Anything that, that you're thinking of this year? I do not have anything official on the horizon. I, um, I think I'm going to go to South Carolina and swim with Janine. And, um, there's a gal here in the Raleigh area who's planning sort of a DIY, um, open water swim camp on the coast um, in March because she wants to, uh, she's doing the English Channel not this year, but a year from now. So she wants to get some longer swims, back to back swims, maybe a six hour qualifier. So I'm going to try and do some of that with her. So I've got unofficial stuff that seems like COVID safe and um, okay to do. I, I've been asked to crew for somebody on the English channel in August. So all of my, all of my things on the horizon really have to do with other people right now. And I sort of like that. Um, I do think about what I want to do next, but I haven't come up with any kind of concrete plans about when I want to actually pull the trigger and sign up for something and like train in earnest, because as everybody knows, pool time has been limited and I don't feel like I'm swimming enough. I think that will change in the summer when I can get access to some outdoor pools and lakes and swim longer outdoors. Um, but right now it's hard to think about it because I'm just not getting enough time in the pool. Right. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you've discovered about yourself through marathon swimming? Um, I have discovered about myself that I have, this is, this might be like one of those lessons to other people is that I'm a, I'm, I like, I feel like I can, you know, I can talk to anybody, but I'm a shy person by nature and asking for what I need is hard. So, um, speaking up when I'm with a group of people and they say like, Oh, we're going to swim to the, you know, the coast guard station and we'll stop at each of the bridges. And I have to say like, can you stop before the first bridge so that we can all group up before we cross? Because 
like, I don't want to cross the channel by myself. You know, like I, I just, I so want to be able to keep up with them and not say anything, but I can't always keep up. So I like learning to speak up and being okay with that. Um, that's, I think that's like an ongoing process, but I feel like that's something that I not necessarily had to learn about myself, but I've had to learn to do, mm. um, you know, swimming in new places with people I don't know as well. Um, I mean, you have to get to know people really fast um, yeah, and you, you have to speak up to do that. It's so easy to just sort of follow along and, and not fully engage. So that I'm learning. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That's it's been a challenge for me too, um, just with like even like once my husband, once we had kids and my husband wasn't my kayaker anymore, <laughs> I could have had to have like some stranger and, <laughs> and like just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get that a lot. The great thing, the great, truly great thing about the marathon swimming community everywhere is that nobody ever minds. Nobody no, has exactly. ever said like, uh, uh-uh, we're not waiting. Like if I've said, can you <laughs> wait for me at the bridge instead of on the other side of the bridge? Like people are like, yeah, sure. And they don't seem to mind, but I'm always so worried about it. Um, and it's just, I, I should be okay with it by now because <laughs> people are so, I don't want to say accommodating because it's not like they're accommodating. It's just part of their fiber. Um, there's something about marathon swimmers that I think is really inclusive, even though it's a really kind of selfish solo sport at the same time, it's not. People are really inclusive and accommodating and, and willing to bring you into the fold and, and it is so refreshing and so nice and it's constant realization. And I, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing that that doesn't wear off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You want to always have that appreciation, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really do. You know, and I try to give that back to other people as well. Um, I don't know if I'm as good at it, but, um, yeah, I can try. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us when you got into, um, organizing swims, how do you get roped into that? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't roped. Um, okay, good. <laughs> I, I, I raised my hand, um, the fat salmon open water swim. I don't know if people know about that. It's, yeah, it's, it's East Coast. One of the, <laughs> it's one of the biggest open water swims in the Northwest. Um, and it didn't start that way. It's, it started small and it was a point to point race. And there was, um, there were a couple guys that did it every year. And I heard about it through that master's team that I told you about that I joined in Seattle and did it. And it was incredible. It was like this big party of swimmers all coming together from all over the Northwest. And even people from the East coast that used to live in Seattle or had friends in Seattle, people would fly out for it. And it was amazing, you know, and in Seattle, it can be January, you know, in June and the water's really cold and it's nasty. And then all of a sudden in July, it gets beautiful and nice. And so it's like the first nice weekend and people are stoked to be out there. And I was one of them. And then one year it didn't happen. And I was like, what, what, what happened to this incredible race? Why did it not happen? And the guy who had been organizing it just couldn't do it anymore. So I got together with a, um, this other guy who's an acquaintance, actually, we didn't even know each other very well. And we've since become good friends and we decided to take it on. So we became the co-directors. And then a couple of years later, he had a kid. And so then it became mine. 
And I think I did it for nine years. Um, so it started off as a one and a three mile race. And then a couple of years in, I nixed the one mile race because it was really hard to have two point to point races and do the timing and coordinate the starts and how they merge together. And um, the one mile race tended to get a bunch of people that weren't as fit because they were like, oh yeah, it's only a mile. I can do it. But it was a little bit longer than a mile and the lake is really deep and it's point to point and you're not that close to the shore in that part of the lake. And it just it made me really nervous. So I nixed the one mile race and we thought we're never going to fill it because we had 325 spots from the city. That was the number of swimmers to lifeguard ratio that we could maintain. And I thought, we're never going to fill it. We're going to lose money. This is, you know, this is a terrible idea. I never should have been talked into this. And we got 330 swimmers. I think we, you know, like the airlines, we overbook because, you know, not Somebody everybody drops out. Yeah. Since we know that swimming races aren't a money-making endeavor, we felt okay about getting a few <laughs> extra signups, knowing that not everybody would swim. Um but yeah, once I started doing that, like I just, I felt like I had to keep doing it um, because people loved it. And I loved that I could make this happen. Um, you know, there was a, a, a master swim team that was kind of behind me so that I had a pool of volunteers and their 501c3, you know, that I could put money through their bank account and give people tax deductible, you know, receipts for donations. And, um, you know, it was, I was handed a huge three ring binder with like all the phone numbers and receipts from prior years. So I was able to carry it forward. So even though it was a ton of work, um, I didn't have to do it from scratch. And it was, it was really an amazing thing to be a part of because I mean, I've gotten, emails from people all over the country, you know, wanting to know when, when registration is going to be open so that they can sign up because they didn't want to miss out because last year they didn't get in. And, um, you know, I love your t-shirts. Can I, can you please save me an extra one for my dad? And like, it just really, really fun to have people so passionate about something and, and to be the person behind it. It was really cool. So it was, it was addictive to keep going. Um, until I just said, like, I need a break and <laughs> handed it over to a different master's group. So I still own the website. So <laughs> I wanted to be able to have that name and the website. So I'm still kind of there behind the scenes uh, webmaster and help them out a little bit. Because I figured if anybody ever drops that, I want the chance. I want the right of first refusal. To yeah. <laughs> but I'm not in a hurry to get back into it because like, being in charge of 300 bodies in the water is a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how many years did you do fat salmon organization? It was either eight or nine. I can't remember, but yeah, it's just, it got, it it was a lot of work and a lot of responsibility. I wouldn't sleep for weeks beforehand, just worrying about people and the weather and the temperature and, um, safety. And I mean, like I didn't, my heart rate didn't come down until every <laughs> single person was out of the water. You know, it was, it was a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when did you get into the Mercer Island marathon? So, and that was where I met Liz. <laughs> yeah. did you get into organizing that? <laughs> so Andrew Malinak, who is, uh, 
he was in New York and then he moved to Seattle and he's done a lot of pioneering swims in the Northwest. And he started the Northwest NAUSA, Northwest Open Water Swimmers Association. Um, he volunteered for Fat Salmon, I think one of my last years. He was helping people out of the water or timing or something. And he, I guess somebody told him who I was and he tapped me on the shoulder and said like, hey, I want to start this race. And I see you're not doing fat salmon anymore. So do you want to come help me do this thing? And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> people are going to swim that far in a race. It's like, yeah, people are going to pay that much money. Like I just, I didn't get it. Like I just didn't think that people would sign up for a race that was that long and sure enough, they did. Um, it's like 12 miles, right? Around yeah. Island. yeah. Yeah. It, it said 20 K. I think it's actually a little bit longer, but we called it 20 K. <laughs> um, I learned from doing that, that running a race for six to 12 people is just as hard as running a race for 300 people. Cause you still have to do the same amount of work with registration and volunteers and boat recruiting. And, um, you know, it's researching's hard. My hat goes off to people who have big events year after year after year. Um, it's, it's hard and they don't yeah. make any money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> people appreciate them. People love them, but, um, it's really hard. Yeah. What's the hardest part? Um, I don't know. Maybe I didn't ask for enough help. Um, mm. or maybe it's just people uh, just like, I sort of feel now I want to swim. I don't want to be the director. I think a lot of other people feel that way. So people say they want to volunteer, but then they don't always, um, you really need to get like a swim team or an organized group behind you, but just getting random volunteers was difficult for me. And I don't know if it's that I pretended to be more capable than I was, or I just wanted to try and do it all myself. But, um, I just, I, it just seemed like too much. Mm -hmm. What was the question? <laughs> oh, I just said, what was, what was the hard part? But, you know, like when you talk about volunteers, you know, there's like, you, you kind of, <laughs> yeah, gamble. you just don't know who's going to actually show and you really need them there on, on an event. Like yeah. That. I think the volunteers for the Mercer Island Marathon swim did end up showing up because the, the volunteer to swimmer ratio, you needed like three volunteers for every one swimmer because we needed, um, somebody to be on the boat and we needed, um, observers and we needed people on land in case people had, you know, needed to get out and exit. I mean, it, it was an incredible number of volunteers for the number of people that swam. But I think the hardest part of all was recruiting boats because to, to try and get people who are not familiar with open water swimming, essentially idle for six to 12 hours is is hard for them to understand that somebody wants to swim around and that they need to go very slowly right next to the swimmer. Um, they, they just can't fathom to spend the whole day doing that. So you tell people about it and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, it sounds great, but they won't commit to a date. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have this like incredible fleet of emails and people that you're calling and as it gets closer and closer to actually nail them down, once we got a handful of people, it was 
easier to get them to come back, but Mm -hmm. it was really hard to grow the race. Um, and you know, you can't make money without the scale. Um, and it was just too hard to get enough boats. Mm -hmm. Um, that I think that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. What was the, um, why the boat per swimmer versus just a kayaker? Um, be going around Mercer Island and the, the fields spread out so quickly. We did try and do it this last year where every swimmer had a kayaker and we had a handful of boats and the boats were supposed to sort of rove, but the, the pack spread out so much. It was really hard mm-hmm. even to, to like keep an eye on to figure out how to make sure that the swimmers were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just, it wasn't smooth. Yeah. Um, it, the water was cold, not having a boat nearby the Mercer Island, the edge is sort of scalloped and you swim the, uh, what is it? The, the convex, <laughs> curve of it. I can't remember what the right mathematical (laughs) word is, but basically you, you go around. So there are all these big bays. So there are a lot of parts of swimming around the Island that you're right in the middle of the lake and to only have a kayaker, just, it wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that last year just felt really chaotic and not good. And I decided that if we're, if we ended up not having the race the next year, um, I decided if we were going to do it again, it had to, there had to be a motorboat per person. It's just, it just wasn't safe. I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the waves kicking up pretty big and it being, I mean, I can imagine (laughs) just wanting to, I mean, like, like Washington's a large body of water, like, you know, Lake George or Lake Champlain, like when it gets windy, it gets windy. Um, and you know, you can't see until a boat is the boats can't see you as a swimmer until they're right on it, even with a kayak. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a better, just a better solo <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> and and that's what Andrew has continued doing. So he sanctions the solo races and, you know, you can get, you can get your, your fix that way. I mean, it's <laughs> nice to have it be an event and have people come together and we had a dinner the night before and, you know, it was really fun to meet all these people. I felt like I made friends and, you know, some people that I, you know, were sort of my open water heroes, I actually got to sit down and have a meal with them and talk to them and learn about what they did. And, um, that was really inspiring and an incredible experience. I mean, I, I met Sarah, I I had no idea who Sarah Thomas was, you know, even the whole time I was with her until like afterwards. And I was like, Oh oh my God, I was (laughs) greatness for the last 24 hours. And I had no idea. Um, Jamie Monahan, I had no idea. Like, yeah, I knew she'd done like a few cool things, but I had no idea. I just I felt so silly afterwards. So when I started, you know, Andrew said, Google, Google these people. And I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't really do the proactive Googling. I was more after the fact. You were, yeah, you're worried about getting the race to happen. That's good. Yeah, I mean, it was probably better that, you know, that I, I wasn't starstruck. I was just like, hey, you let's meet. We've got something in common. <laughs> that's great that's great um I want to come back to you were um your very first marathon swim in Lake Michigan it it struck me that you were like 
I couldn't see anything. I didn't know where I was. So I laughed. So <laughs> tell me a little bit more about how you handle hard situations. <laughs> hard situations, like, I guess, like, I mean, maybe that's not a hard situation to you, but how do you kind of get in a situation <laughs> where you're, you know, you're not sure where you're going and you laugh? How is that? <laughs> I, you, you, well, that was laughable because it, like, it was, you couldn't swim a stroke. It was so choppy. You were just getting thrown all over the place. Um, <laughs> So there, there was really no choice there, but maybe that's a true statement because I think when things get hard, it sort of goes back to when I was a kid and I just kept going to swim practice because my parents kept taking us and like, it was just what we did. It didn't occur to me that there was a choice. So <laughs> I feel like when things get hard, I just keep going because it doesn't occur to me that I can stop. Like I, I signed up for this and I'm going to finish it or I'm going to swim to that thing because that's where the car is. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, actually. Um, I know a lot of other people have talked about swimming and your, your brain just kind of leaves you. Like I definitely am one of those people where I, I get into the open water and I don't sing songs and I like, I just like my brain just sort of leaves my body and I swim. Hmm. Um, so maybe that's a good thing because when it, when it gets hard, I know, um, when I did swim the suck, my brain periodically left me and then it would come <laughs> back and I would ask my husband, like, you know, what's, what time is it? And you know, <laughs> because I wanted to know approximately how far I was because I knew how long I thought it was going to take me. And I was so disappointed that I wasn't as far as I thought it was because I wasn't in good enough shape, um, for that particular event. And then, so in the middle, like, I just remember it re feeling really hard. And then I guess my brain left my body again because I finished and felt pretty <laughs> good at the end. <laughs> you know, like somehow just like, I just kept swimming, you know, I get tired and I slow down and maybe I rolled over on my back for a little while, but then I just kept going. Um, because it's like, where was I going to get out? Yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to fly the boat down. No way. <laughs> so you stay in because you don't think there's a choice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe that sounds kind of stupid, but I think that's just how my brain works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, yeah. When you consider my options are laugh about the situation or panic, right? <laughs> like, I guess I'll laugh and keep going. I don't, I don't panic very often. Um, I've been told that I'm a good person to be with in an emergency. That's good. Because I don't, I don't panic. Um, I, I don't know. I just kind of take things one step at a time. I guess that was a, a feature for being a race director is that when things got hairy, like I was able to say like, you do this and you do that and, you know, just sort of make shit happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome feature of a race director. <laughs> you just don't sleep. So you don't take care. You're not able to take care of yourself. But <laughs> Yeah. You take care of other people. It's just not myself. Yeah. Um, that the person that told me that I was good to be with in an emergency, that was actually after the La Jolla rough water swim one year when it was, it was very cold. Um, I was not a year round swimmer at the time. And it, I think the water temperature was the low sixties. So that, that seemed very cold to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and a friend that did it with me was very, very, very lean. And she was, she was probably hypothermic. Oh, wow. Um, 
at the end because she almost always beat me and I got out of the water and she wasn't there yet. And it took her a long time to come in and she was very, very cold and very, very scared. And, um, I don't really remember taking care of her, but I guess I did. And her reflection on that afterwards was that I was just very calm and methodical and figured out how to get somebody to help her get warm while I figured out how to get myself dressed. And then I came back and got her later and made her feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. So you swam in New York and Hawaii and Tennessee (laughs) and Michigan. Where haven't you? (laughs) Where's one place that you want to swim to take you? How about that? Um, I've been hearing a lot about the swims in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely want to go North. I haven't, haven't done anything in upstate New York or Northern Vermont or anywhere like that. That's definitely a a part of the country that is calling to me. Um, but yeah, I've used swimming as a way to, to go places. I visited family in Florida and did the Lido key race and, um, the Hawaii was the, the Waikiki rough water swim. I did the 50th anniversary swim on my, for my 50th birthday. That was really cool. cool. That's fun. Um, but I have a friend that lives in Hawaii. So, you know, it was an excuse to visit her. I would, I don't think that I would have just gone to Hawaii on my own, um, to do that event. You know, there was somebody there to do it with me and kind of show me the ropes and yeah. yeah. Swimming's a good way to see the world. (laughs) Yeah. How's the uh, pandemic been for you? Well, when we moved to North Carolina, I kept my job at the company in Seattle. So I was working at home for a year and a half before the pandemic struck. So um, I was already used to being isolated and working from home. So that wasn't that much of a change. Um, it was really hard to stop swimming for three months because the pools were closed entirely, but, um, we adopted a dog right when the world shut down. So I started taking a lot of walks. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel really lucky because I've been able to drive to see my parents who are about 10 hours away. Um, you know, so I've just, quarantined a couple of times for a couple of weeks and then driven straight through to visit them and, you know, felt like I could do it safely and have a nice house to be in with enough space. And, you know, I've got the means to have groceries delivered and, you know, like I, I cannot complain. I'm, I'm trying really hard to not like brag about the things that I do because I can drive to the beach and take, get a swim in the ocean and not see anybody, um, or be in close contact with anybody. So I, like, I feel really, really lucky that it has, the pandemic has not affected me or my family in a negative way. Like, yeah, things are a little lonely and I miss all my trips to Seattle. Um, and I would like to see my parents and the rest of my family more often, but, but everybody's healthy and I am working and living. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And looking forward to the day we can 
work and live closer to other people, right? <laughs> it, it can't be this way forever. It, it, Seemingly. <laughs> it can't. So it, it will, we'll get there. It'll be fine. Yeah. What motivates you to keep going? Stopping sudden <laughs> options. <laughs> <laughs> common, theme, common theme today. Um, I like, I like being in shape. Um, I like the feeling of swimming enough that I want to keep doing it. You know, like the pool racing thing. No, no, thank you. Masters is, is a way to stay in shape for open water swimming. Um, so I like swimming enough that I just want to keep going. Um, I, I see some of the videos that people share of like the older women that are still swimming in cold water and have these groups that get together. And I remember many years ago when I went to Greece for a swim track, um, the night before the swim track started, I was staying with a friend in a hotel and we went to the beach to have a morning swim before we met up with the trip. And there was this bunch of women and I felt like they were in their eighties or nineties. They looked really old and they're standing in the water up to their waist, like splashing around and talking a million miles per hour. And I just thought like, I want to be that group of ladies when I'm in my eighties and nineties, I want to be standing around in my swimsuit with my swimming friends. Um, so that's what keeps me going. I want to just, I want to be able to do that for a long time. Yeah. Yep. I love that. <laughs> I forgot about your swim track trips. What's your favorite swim track trip that you've been on? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the British Virgin Islands, they're, the water there is exquisite. Um, it's not advertised as a long swims trip, but the amount of swimming you get on that particular swim track is, is good quality long swims. And almost every swim is like being in an aquarium. I mean, they're just fish and fish and more fish and some of their crossings between islands. It's just, you don't see the fish and it's just this beautiful deep blue and it changes to turquoise and then deep blue again. I mean, like, like the colors and the fish and the water temperature. I mean, like that is pristine swimming there, but all, all of the trips I've been on have been wonderful. Really. What's the, uh, I, can't, I can't, I can't recommend swim check highly enough. It's just, okay. <laughs> I want to be rich so I can just go on them all the time. Right. <laughs> um, what's uh, something that, what would, what would you tell a person who was going on their first swim check? What do they need to know going into that? What do they need to know? Um, I don't know. Just. I don't think you need to know anything. There's just something just do about it. <laughs> it. Like, yeah, that just like it's you're you're an adult going to summer camp, basically. You know, if you're you're in your job, you're the type of person where you're organizing people or projects or managing stuff, like sticking to a schedule. You have that schedule, but somebody else is dictating it. And it's just <laughs> incredible to just sort of like release everything and you show up and they tell you what time to be at what location and where you're going to swim to, and you're going to eat lunch over here and you're going to do this and be on the boat at this time. And that sounds like really regimented, but to me, it was just 
heaven for somebody else to be dictating the schedule and presenting swims and meals and things to me. And there's also like plenty of not organized time and activities, but I don't know. It's just like this total open-mindedness because you meet all kinds of people, but yet everybody is there because they love swimming. So it's just, I don't know. (laughs) There, there isn't anything, just go. I mean, it just, it's, it's a wonderful vacation. Very cool. I came back from one (laughs) once and I said to my husband, I don't think I swore for like a whole week. And I have a terrible <laughs> mouth. Um, and I just realized like I was that relaxed that there were no swear words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> that's, that's a gift. That's lovely. <laughs> have you, um, is your husband a swimmer at all? He likes to swim, but he will not go to a pool or join a master's team ever. Um, or go on a fortunately, swim track. Fortunately, he likes to support me. Um, so he is willing to stand on a paddleboard or be in a kayak or drive with me four hours round trip for a half an hour swim, um, you know, just to get a little saltwater fix in the middle of the winter, you know, that, that sort of thing. So he is a, a great, great partner. Um, and I feel really lucky that, that he's willing to do that for me. Would he go on a swim trek with you or would you, do you like that to be your vacation? <laughs> I think he would be bored. Um, he's uh, talking about swimming all day would not be <laughs> pleasing to him. And if I, if I was on a swim trek, I don't like, I feel like I would have to do stuff separately with him. And it's sort of nice to be part of the group. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good distinguishing factor. Yeah, I, I, my roommate randomly placed with a roommate the first swim track that I did in 2010, and she and I have done many more together. Um, so it's really nice to meet up with her every couple of years and do them together. So I have a buddy to do them with, but I've also gone on my own. And um, that's a really nice way to do it, to kind of have somebody that you can like be a buddy with, um, but but not have to worry about your significant other being bored or, you know, having to accommodate. Yeah. Uh, Any ideas how we can include more people in marathon swimming? Um, I don't know. I feel like this is a hard question because to do events it is expensive. And that's probably why I haven't done as many events as I would like to do. Um, but having been an organizer, I know that it's harder than you think to make them less expensive. So, you know, when I think about inclusivity, it's, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind is the cost is that it seems like all you need is a swimsuit cap and goggles and earplugs, and that should be cheap and easy in a, you know, a body of water, but it's, it's harder than that. I don't have a good answer for you because I mean, even just to swim here in North Carolina, open water, I've really had to work hard to find people who are compatible speed or who want to go on the days that I want to go. Um, it, it just, 
I haven't wanted to like start that group and get people there and be the organizer and kind of present the rules of saying like, okay, find a buddy, make a plan. Don't just swim to the other side. You have to group up occasionally. Like I just haven't wanted to be that person here. Um, but maybe that is something that I could do to make it more inclusive because that doesn't cost money and that would get more people who might not otherwise swim in the open water into it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I knew you were going to ask that, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like I, it's something that I perpetually kind of have to roll around and I just haven't dove and in, dove into that yet personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a tough one. <laughs> that's, a, that's something we should all think about periodically. Right. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Um, always have a plan. So, I mean, like what I just said, if you're swimming with a group of people, you can't just like, you have to speak up and say like, we are going to swim to that buoy over there or parallel to that water tower and group up and you wait for everybody and being willing to kind of stick your neck out and sort of be that bossy person um, because somebody, somebody needs to do that. So uh, my advice to an aspiring open water swimmer is to make sure that you're in a group where somebody does that. If it's not you to at least ask the question, because there should always be a plan. Yeah. That's good advice. What marathon swimmers inspired you? Um, well, after learning about <laughs> Jamie and Sarah and Elaine, um, the three of them for sure. Um, but my, my friend, Karen, who lives in North Dakota now, um, she is the one who really got me in the open water and she was always a little bit faster than me. So chasing after her, I just, she was always inspirational to me and just loved swimming by her side all the times that we went. Um, I don't know if she knows that, but she's kind of my (laughs) personal hero. You know, she's, she's an outstanding athlete, um, Ironman triathlete type of person, but really strong swimmer. And she just always has inspired me just very quiet way about her, but really inspirational. You should tell her. I'll send a link to this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story, Liz. I really loved hearing your story. <laughs> you are welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 1330 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash marathon swim stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.